Hello everyone, friends, colleagues, acquaintances, and Justin Trudeau's Tinder profile. Welcome to the 11th episode of the Communal Conversation. I'm here with my guest, Dovi Siderson. More on Dovi in a minute. First, we got to hear from our sponsors as always. I know it's getting pretty predictable, but I mean, you guys hear podcasts in general. They all sound the same. Uh, so this week's episode of the Communal Conversation is brought to you by our amazing sponsors over at EV Direct. EV Direct is the home of the Evolute a small multi, uh, multi-user multi electric vehicle charging system for condominiums. Go electric or go dig for oil. More on the, our sponsors in the mid-break. Welcome to the Communal Conversation, Dovi Siderson. Happy to have you on. Um, Very happy to be here. Yeah, so you and I met by happenstance. Uh, I guess so, yeah. We, we both work for the same uh, Jewish organization, and we both uh, advise, mentor children? What's the exact label? I'm not sure. I don't know. We're that we're advisors, yeah. I don't know exactly what we do. Yeah, um, yeah. We're still trying. Good to, though. We're still trying to figure it out. It's yeah. great. It's great. But uh, you, yeah, yeah, you and I made a bit of a connection doing some advisor training. Um, and here you are. On yeah. The show. Well, that lady was that lady was rambling on, and we just started texting each other on the Zoom chat. Right, right. We were sitting in one of these uh, conference calls, and they had a guest speaker. And of course, guest speakers are always, always preeminently yeah. interesting. Um, right. So we uh, naturally listen to every word by not listening at all. Um, right. I mean, like some of their guests were great. Like I love some of the guests, but like some people came on and were like, you know, it's really important to have a healthy social environment. I was like, <laughs> okay. Like, I'm, why am I signing up for this? Like, why would I come listen to that for an hour? <laughs> yeah. Oh, those are those are. I remember those. Um, but actually. Yeah. But uh, that made it that made us have a bit of a connection. And we've been talking about doing this for a little bit. So, Dovi, mm-hmm. why don't you tell us who you are, where you've been, what you're doing? Um, so I'm Dovi or Dovi, really. It's it's hard. You can call me Dovi, though. It's Got fine. It. But like most people like, like at home in Edmonton, people call me Dovi. OK. And that brings me to where I'm from. So I'm from Edmonton, <laughs> which is a very small city. Well, it's not really a very small city by Canadian standards, but I guess by world standards, it's a small city, about a million people. Um, very small Jewish community, though and i grew up here i went to israel for a year and a half until covid hit and then i've been back here ever since i was planning to go back to israel in the winter like of 2020 december 27th and then like i booked my ticket finally after so much deliberation and you know should i go to israel should i stay i booked my ticket and then they canceled all incoming things to israel until like you know right after pesach so that whole span was just taken and then by the time i could have gone it was like you only have a month, two months until the summer. So I just stayed, but I'm going to go back for a So as far as where I'm at right now, um, I'm in yeshiva and I'm also taking my psychology um, degree online through Athabasca, which is an Alberta online university. That's like way, they were way ahead of the times. They were doing it online, you know, like in 2015, I think. Like That, that means before. the quality sister- of education is probably better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. No, it's, I mean, thank God. Like there's a lot of people that do these online universities, like, I don't want to name names, but like in the States that are just, who knows what they are. You know, if you can get credits for going to Yeshiva and, and not if you're learning, I understand, but if you can go to Yeshiva and just go to the beach every day or whatever, and then get a full year worth of credits. Right? right. But, you know, but yeah, so my, but thank God, this is like a fully accredited proper university. It just happens to be online. So. No, that's um, good that's, because what, what happens is with a lot of universities, especially mine, you have a lot of teachers that are just forced to do online and, and they don't really know how the system works. But if right, right. you have a college or, or university that's already set up with online, uh, you know, the structures for so long, that that's obviously right. going to be a lot better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think like, I, I'm happy that I can do it so I can be in Yeshiva, but it's definitely different than actually being in like a proper learning environment 100 percent. so what's so, what's that yeah. like still juggling yeshiva and uh and uh course load well to be honest with you i haven't had to do it properly yet because um the past year i was home because of covid so i haven't really ah. had to do the yeshiva like full-time uh or part-time even really i haven't had to i mean i had to do it like when i could you know yeah but so next year i guess we'll see i guess we'll see what happens but i mean i'm i'm hopeful because the college work is not too time consuming that i can't do yeshiva also so that's yeah. good that's a dual curriculum I'm not, like, right I'm not there. taking neuroscience around taking psychology right so right yeah no yeah you're not taking you're, you're taking a semi-real science you know neuroscience is the real science and psychology is like yeah exactly it is a science um you you think like that i'm happy you think like that though because a lot of people <laughs> don't appreciate that yeah yeah i uh no i i Listen, I, I recognize that psychology is sort of a default major for a lot of people. Like a lot of people yes, just end yes. up in psychology because they don't really know what they want to do. Exactly. And that's yes. totally fine. 
and honestly, psychology on a base level, I understand why people would jump immediately into it. But there are different levels of of, of difficulty to that sort of stuff, right? Like mm -hmm, I'm for sure. I'm yeah. pursuing my PhD doctorate in psychology. I want to I want to be a clinical practitioner, right? That's right. that's a little different from someone just taking a three year psychology degree and working at Seven Eleven, right? It's right, uh, <laughs> right, oh, for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I you're in undergrad still. You're still in undergrad. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I just finished my second year. Oh, nice. So, I mean, I plan to hopefully. I want, I want to go to a med school and, and go to psychiatry eventually because I recognize that psychology is not like if you, I, I feel like if you really want to pursue psychology, you have to pursue psychiatry. Yeah. Like to a certain degree, meaning, and I'm not, I'm not bashing on people that pursue psychology because there's a whole, just like anything, right? If you have a complex system, so the things at the top of the system, which are less complex, there's just, there's still stuff there that needs to be dealt with. Of right. Course. You know, so it's not, but like, I happen to be interested in like more of like the biological foundation or whatever that very, inter that interests me a lot. Ah. I'm kind of doing the psychology degree because I didn't know what I wanted to do in the beginning. Um, but now that I've, I've really enjoyed psychology and I want to pursue it, but I'm like, I think I want to try to go to med school and pursue it in that direction. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's yeah. a, that's a long journey. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I also, I also will, will inevitably end up in med school, I assume. Um, oh yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, to get a full PhD, I'm pretty sure I have to do that. Um, uh, but, uh, actually cool. I'm, I'm sort of weighing my options between there's, there's, a there's the option of taking a PsyD instead of a PhD. I don't know if you know yeah. what that is. Um, yeah, yeah. but, uh, for those who don't know this, a PsyD is a sort of alternative to a PhD where, um, PhD is a lot of, uh, testing research labs, um, and, you know, being behind the scenes on that sort of stuff where, and a PsyD is a lot more writing focused and also, um, face-to-face -face counsel focused. It's like a lot clinical it's, basis. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of it's, thing. it's a lot yeah. more focused on actual face-to-face -face interaction. Uh, and I think I'm better at that anyway, as a fascinating as research is, you know, I started a podcast called the communal conversation because I, I tend to like right. to communally converse with people. Right. Right. So I think a hundred percent feel that. Yeah. yeah. I think a side might be better suited for me. Uh, the only problem is there's not a lot of programs in Canada for that sort of stuff. Oh really? Yeah. But I, I do want to move to Florida long-term. So, you know, that's, oh, yeah? uh, that definitely interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've been like, I've for the last long while, I've been bouncing back and forth between psychology and psychiatry and right. just thinking like, what do I want to do? But I think, um, I think psychology, if you go down that route, that's a super cool route. Like I, I'm not even like psychiatry is kind of like the current mood that I'm in. I'm thinking like, you know what? I think that I'm going to try to get, make sure that I do the, the, the proper prerequisites. So I'm going to med school. Right. But like, you know, I definitely appreciate the psychology. And there's definitely a lot of crossover with those two things. I mean, they, they, they're essentially this, uh, how do I say this? They're the same path with different, uh, different results. Um, yeah. So it's cool that you're interested in the psychology though, because like a lot of people just take these things, like we said, people take them because they don't know what to do. They take them because they yeah. want a job. But like, I am fascinated and I know you are too, by like the psychology itself, by the ideas that come up. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Any, any, uh, effort to explain humanity, I am automatically fascinated in because humanity is famously unexplainable. We do random stupid things all the time and constantly shoot ourselves in the foot over and over and over historically. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I, I find I find this sort of for the record, actually, something I dislike about psychology. And I, I know okay. this is crazy, but um, uh, as much as I love psychology, something that I'm, I'm not too fond of is putting people in boxes and making generalizations on groups of people yeah. um, and not in, not even in like a, a racial sense or a group statistic sense, but just just in a general sense of because it says this on this paper and I have tested you in this way and that way. DSM five. Yeah, yeah. Right. You will automatically come out like this or that. And I just don't think people are that predictable. Um, I think there, mm -hmm. there are signs to certain things and there are definitely metrics that are measurable, but the overall movement to put people in specific boxes, like your yeah. personality is this type or this type. Right. But I think that the, I think that the actual theories that like the, of, of the people who wrote them, they were never meant to be like that. Like, yeah. I don't think that people like who's that shallow minded, you know, right. nobody. It's people who take those theories and then, well, because the, us humans and every time I say that, I sound like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, some sort of android. Uh, but yeah. um, uh, us humans are constantly searching for answers to literally everything. We always want the answer to everything all the time and we don't want it later. We want it now. Right. Right. right, want it right now, um, yeah. And because we're we're so, so desperate <clears throat> for expedient answers people will use these theories and labels to explain things they don't understand, 
right? Yeah. Uh, and this happens yeah. in, in every area in life, uh, in 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 religion, right? Like like people, uh, a lot of people in religion accept that there's not specifically tangible answers right in front of them, right? Whereas people who are not as religious and a lot more um, uh, non faith based, uh, they 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 need the answers to everything in science immediately, right? Um, and that dichotomy mm. definitely depends on, on person to person. I don't want to make any generalizations, but because people are so desperate for answers, it makes them more likely to use these labels and theories in a shallow right. way. That's what you think it is. I think it's desperation for the answer. I think so, because that's honestly what anxiety is. Anxiety in general is us not knowing the answer to what is going to happen, right? Is, is, uh, is us framing all these bazillion possibilities of everything going wrong in every possible way, right? Because we don't know that it's going to go right. We don't know that right. the, what we're about to face or what we are facing is going to work out okay. So this desperation for answers makes us do a lot of things. A lot of humanity in general is driven by, let me get the answer to this right away. We all want to know the answer to things. We don't like not knowing things. Right. Yeah. So people, right. They, so you think, yeah. I mean, I think that, I think another element of it is just like there's a, a basic tendency in human nature to to grab onto things that have the built have the potential to divide and to like milk them. And I think that that might be true in like a cross across the board sense, meaning it's not anything to do with uh, people searching for answers necessarily, or people that have like political opinions or that want the best for their family. Right. And you know, like that, and there's just like a certain aspect where it's like, if I can grab onto this ideology, this liberal ideology, this conservative ideology, or this, um, this idea that explains why I'm different than you and I can milk it and I can milk that difference between me and you. I think people love that. I just heard Joe Rogan said a few days ago, like there are people out there that just love, and I don't want to talk, I know you probably don't want to talk too much about the coronavirus, like restrictions and whatever, but there are people that just love being locked up and they're, they, they just love it. They want it. So I think sometimes like when, when like you hear these big ideas from these great psychologists about like how, like, you know, let's say Eric Erickson, like the eight stages, the eight, the right. eight crises, right, of development. So one of them is like industry versus um, versus despair, I think, right? Or industry, no, that's the, the last one. Industry versus, uh, what is it? Oh, shit. Industry versus. <laughs> I was like, like oh, like I should being, know this. Yeah, I know, right? It's like being able to leave your, your environment and being an individual and like being industrious or being locked up to like your your environment whenever like right. not being able to leave your home and becoming an individual it's like a teenage crisis mm -hmm. i like when i was reading that i was thinking like yeah like i it's so easy to just take this and go oh yeah my parents like they messed me over they didn't let me have enough industry and that's why i have this terrible life people like to take these ideas from psychology from from great theorists great thinkers and just use them to create like this i don't know victimhood or just a, a, a difference between me and you that this is why you're like that. I'm like this and we're incompatible. I'm, so I don't know. I think you're pointing to two very, very good points. All right. I think you're pointing to two very specific tendencies of humans also okay. aside, aside from answer seeking. Uh, and that's conflict and victimhood. Victimhood right. is a little more complex. Uh, and I've definitely talked about it more on the show. Uh, but to address mm -hmm. to address conflict first, you're right. People do search for differences among each other for various different reasons, right? But there's, a, there's, there's, th there is some reason that politics or religion or or ideology is so dividing among people. It's because people yeah. are are driven to be. Uh, how do I say this? To know that they are virtuous, that they know the answers, and anyone else who doesn't agree with their answers is doing something wrong, right? Right. Now, I don't want to generalize this to all people because I know plenty of people that are not like this. Uh, and I, I myself, I try to be it's not to pat myself on the back, but I try to be open to all ideas. And I don't I don't think that I'm 100 percent right in anything. I'm sure I'm sure you agree with that as well. Um, yeah, yeah. No, but, definitely. It's, yeah. You're but, not you're not an ideologue. You no, don't have ideologies right. that you hold strong to. Right. Uh, I, I, well, I, the I, absolute truth. I have I have uh, I have beliefs that I hold strong to, but, um, but you're not convinced that they're absolute truths. And no. I'm less than you for disagreeing. With yeah, you. yeah, exactly. Exactly. No. So that, like that. that that second that second point is actually what I wanted to talk about is that people okay. have this this sense that if you disagree with them, uh, you're, you're lesser, you're inferior or or yeah. which which underlyingly means I'm superior to you because I have the right, right opinion. You have the wrong one. That has been a human tendency since the dawn of time. Conflict is very innate in us. First of all, there's I would say that people who completely engage themselves in stuff like politics 
but not not just not just you know reading the newspaper and knowing what's going on that's what i like to do right but but right. actively constantly debating at people debating with people yelling at them posting on their social media i would say they've they've created their own meaning in life through conflict what i mean by that mm. is humans actually love drama <laughs> right not all of us but a lot of well, people maybe all of us do maybe know, maybe, maybe in some sense all of us do but humans because we all have an urge for like adventure a narrative trauma yeah, yeah for narrative that's yeah. A great yeah, yeah. That's a adventure great. narrative some sort of story going on so even I, you always hear people say oh i hate drama so much honestly the people who say that the most usually are covering up that they actually kind of enjoy it and that's yeah. that's not to slam anyone honestly this is just a, a normal human tendency but the drive towards conflict is is so powerful because it just gives us something. It gives us something to latch onto in life. People who don't have, you know, a family or significant other or a lot of friends or whatever yeah. it might be. This this yeah, gives them enough. their cause and their thing to ascribe to, saying that I I am in this narrative. I have these ideas. And people who are against me, well, this is what my entire life is about. It's it's about the battle of good and evil, right? I mean, I've talked about right. we've I talked about this in, in multiple different platforms, but the power of fiction. And all these stories we've been taught since we were kids, it doesn't matter if it's biblical, if it's comical, if it's, you know, fictional, whatever it might be. But all pretty much all stories boil down to a battle between good and evil. At, at the end of the day, you can you can pretty exactly. much take every single narrative down to that point. Right. And so when people can assign themselves that meaning that mm. dr and drama and conflict through that meaning, that's what makes things so partisan and powerful. So are you saying are you are you trying to say that the essential like aspect of human nature that draw that drives all this is the desire to be on the good side of good and evil. Yes. Like that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Cause I know there's, there's another approach I like that kind of explains it also, which is just tribalism, like the ancient right. idea of tribalism. Right. You want to expand than, on that a little bit for the audience? Sure. Yeah. So tribalism is basically just, I mean, it's, it's honestly, I didn't even know this word until I was describing an idea to a friend, right. Sally Evans, if you're watching this, <laughs> um, that and he was like oh yeah that's that's tribalism and i was like oh yeah i've heard that word before but it's basically just the idea that we are that that there's an essential drive a, a natural a natural human drive to associate with one group specifically to the exclusion of all other groups that you are this tribe and that creates the tribal dynamic which you see in like american politics very very openly where it's nothing to do at all with truth seeking or anything like that. It's CNN, like they had that whole project Ver Veritas or something like that, where they, it's like, it's a hundred percent just like there's groups and people have a desire and a drive to be part of a group. So like what you were saying, I really like, but it's a little altruistic that people have a desire to be on the good side of the good versus evil paradigm. I'll, I'll, yeah. re I'll, re I'll rephrase. Um, All right. Good, I mean, perceived good not actual objective good whatever objective Meaning, good so is so you're saying that they use that to fuel their their tribalistic instincts yes they think they're right in their own mind it doesn't make them right okay. in general but if they are convinced that they are right then that is right. them on the side of good versus evil it right. could be for the record it could be someone committing millions of dollars of tax fraud right but they right. think that they're what they're doing is okay right, right well that's very interesting that you're talking about that and this is a whole nother tangent so maybe i won't like go into no, too much but you definitely studying... should yeah okay yeah cool so i'm studying political philosophy right now ah. um because i'm thinking about double majoring in political and political science just because it's very interesting shiva and double majoring wow that's a well lot. i i love reading like the like the the classics is very interesting because yeah. you got like mo i'm reading plato right now and it's oh. a modern translation and it's like super readable that's so awesome. Yeah, it's pretty fun. But like he that's like a whole what you were just saying that people the it's about what they can perceive as the good. That's like a, an entire critique in Plato of of the conventional morality, which is that people don't it's all about appearance. It's what you think. If you think someone else is good, it doesn't matter at all what they're doing, because the discussion in, in, in the in the book in Republic is about um, is is morality innately good for a person. And the argument is that, well, from a conventional view of morality, no, because as long as you can hide the fact that you're immoral, right. but everyone thinks you're immoral, you'll always come out on top. You'll never lose, right? And so what you're saying is like on a psychological level, you, a person needs to feel like that they're good. They have like an innate need to feel that they're good. So in order to fulfill that, they convince themselves that they're doing the right thing or that this is good. So that now they've, they've fulfilled that like moral desire, that moral drive to be good. It's self-validating. So yeah yeah 
hundred percent just because they have that need to be good. And instead of actually trying to do it, a lot of people are very content to convince themselves that they have. Yeah. They've already done it. Actually, this is, this is, this ties in really well to, um, something I would, so we both work for this, this, uh, this organization <laughs> called NCSY, where we both yes. uh, teach Jewish, amazing. Jewish children, Jewish things. I love it. It's amazing. One of the best parts of my life. Um, the story of how I became an NCSY advisor is very funny. Maybe I'll tell that later. Mine um, too. But really? Okay, we yeah. should we should definitely show that before the episode ends. Right. Um, but uh, I was learning Pirkei Avot, which is uh, the the I believe the ethics of the fathers. Is that how you yes. say it in English? Um, yeah, with yeah. ethics of the fathers. With the kids that I tutor, and uh, um, I, I won't get too into religious, you know, like hodgy dodgy stuff because not everyone who listens is jewish and so on what's the demographic by the way like who's who's like how like can i say hebrew words without translating them or no um you might you might want to give a little context if you're if you're saying hebrew word uh, which which is totally fine um no problem but uh no so um there's this section of of pirkei where different um different rabbis or sages are discussing what they think is essential to life uh, and what they think is the essential thing to hold and uh, essential thing to have and the worst thing to possibly have, right? And this one rabbi, I think it was Rabbi Elazar, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. Feel free to fact check me on that. Um, but uh, right. he said the, the best thing to have in life is a good heart and the worst thing to stay away from in life is a bad heart. Bad heart. Yeah, Elazar yeah, Nazar, I think. Oh, I did get it right. Huh, awesome. Okay. Um, sure, yeah. So uh, that, that actually made me take a few steps back and realize, oh, the word heart is almost always used in a positive connotation or context. But just because someone has a heart doesn't mean it's slanted towards good. And for the record, gotcha. we're not talking about the, the actual thing that's beating, you know, right, right. blood through your body. Mm-hmm. But the 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 metaphysical concept of a heart, of, of, of a soul or whatever it might be. Nicely put. Yeah, it's um, it's just because someone has that. We all have that. Everyone has a form of heart. Right. Right. People, people who say to, to people who are unemotional or unempathetic or whatever it might be, whatever narrative suits the thing, you know, oh, you don't have a heart. You, you're you're <sighs> you're you're lacking in heart. No, they totally have a heart. It just might not be bent towards good things. Right. Yeah. Um, well, but you're basically saying that everyone has passion. Yeah. Everyone has. Passion. But not everyone uses it properly. Obviously, right, Every, right. everyone has has a slant towards something. But um, I think everyone does have the the need to feel, to think, to yeah. they have to trick themselves at least that they're yeah. doing the right thing. I don't think anyone is. I mean, are there? There probably are. Okay, I guess there probably are people that are just evil that like being evil. Yeah, I guess there probably are people like that. But, but in in some sense, those people are probably telling themselves that oh, the the people that I'm doing this to deserve it because they're weaker or. I've been right. But are there people you think that are actually evil that are like, this is wrong. And I, I mean, like satanic, yeah, like satanic people, right? It's like satanic. A hundred percent. Usually those people have like a, a background in their mind though, that like, Oh, I know it's wrong. We're like, it's not that bad, you know? Um, right, right, right. Th- but if you're right. saying, or, or that the satanic way is like the right way of life. Well, that, yeah. And it's yeah, like yeah. a kind of like a double step. It's like a, a two step, you're a Euro step <laughs> basketball way up there. Right. To figure out that one. <laughs> um, no, but people, uh, I, I'm sure there are people out there that are just purely evil and they know what they're doing right. is wrong and they keep doing it. Uh, but I would say that most people find some sort of root justification for what they're doing. Right, um, right, right. So this this is uh, this is definitely really fascinating stuff because um, yeah. human human nature is always like I said it's both predictable and unpredictable at the same time. At, at the beginning of this right. ep- at the beginning of this episode, I talked about how I don't like how shoving people in boxes. You know, it's not that great. But at the same time, we we can't deny that there are predictable measures of human nature, right? Right, a hundred percent. And that's like that's kind of like a, it's an interesting line to draw because it's it's definitely uh, a waste of time to try to like generalize about a lot of things yeah. and say that oh everyone is this everyone is that. But I think that the certain core human human uh, human tendencies that are are probably like okay to talk about. And you know what? We probably don't know enough about them that it's like no, reasonable not, for us. I'm to not make telling you I'm some genius. Yeah, this is this yeah, is just exactly. my ideas. But like, I, I think the idea of tribalism is something that a scientist wouldn't be like, well, what are you, you know, what are you trying to describe human <laughs> Tribalism? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Where? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like a fundamental, like human nature, point of human nature. Yeah. Um, yeah. So a lot of this, uh, a lot of this stuff ties into um, what we were talking about a little bit before we started the show. Um, and that's this realm of cognition and how humans right. tend to perceive things. Right. Right. Um, oh, yeah. Now, this is one of those topics that I really don't want to make sure I don't bore the audience. So we're, yeah. we're, we're 
where the goal is this is very humanly oriented this is something that will apply to literally anyone listening okay so we're we're, we're not going to get super esoteric in in what we discuss um i like that i like that word a lot esoteric um but uh yeah so i i just finished my cognitive well do, do you want to give a little bit of a background to the people of what cognitive psychology is what defines it uh, well, so the, I think it's easier to start with the cognitive, with the, the definition of the word cognition, yeah. right? Which is the processes of the, not the physical processes. It's not like, it's not a neurochemical or anything like that science. It's just like the processes that your brain goes through in achieving um, anything. So if you want to see something, how does your brain, um, like what's the, like the, a picture comes in and then how does it get to what part of the brain? And then like, how do you understand what that is and what does that mean to you and like how does that translate to action that type of thing like that whole process and then also with more kind of just like just thought oriented things like how do you understand something how do you when you recall a memory what is the process like do you retrieve is it that you have like an imprint in your brain that you then go look at or do you have to like recreate is it like the neurons firing off and trying to like recreate exactly what it did in the last time that you had a similar simulation you know so it's that whole science and then Cognitive sciences covers that as a general thing. Cognitive psychology is one of the, the, the many fields, including computer sciences and neuroscience, um, that contribute to the field of cognitive science um, with an understanding, in, in our case, from a, from a psychological perspective. Um, so, you know, a, psych, a, a, a cognitive psychologist will do experiments like the last, uh, the last two people the last two groups of people to try to remember a word. And um, in each situation, one of them will be given a related word, a related like uh, word to remember at the same time. And the other person won't. And they'll see like, how does that affect, you know, their reaction time? Right. But a computer scientist will be like creating computer programs to try to simulate, to try to simulate what the human brain does to figure out exactly what's going on. So it's a super cool field. My cousin's actually a professor of cognitive science. at the Oh, UVA. really? Yeah, so it's a very cool, very interesting. He's a neuropsychologist, and he's now a professor of cognitive science. Yeah, my sister wants it's to go like into neuropsychology, so uh, cool. I, I, I hear about that cool. stuff a lot around here too. Um, right. Yeah, so it's it's fascinating, and honestly, this is sort of, I, I guess there's a lot of myths that people don't even know they believe about human memory and how we perceive things yeah. um, that mm -hmm. I, I definitely want to talk about. One of these big ones is that... Um, is, is memory. Me memory is something that we all rely on every day, right? I mean, to talk to you in this discussion, I have to remember things like words and and uh, and topics and specific instances that I can relate to you, right? right? We're all using memory all the time. There, there's no need to prove that. Um, but uh, the question is, are the memories that we are calling upon in active situations actually reflective and, and accurate? And the answer is overwhelmingly right. no. Um, th this is something I learned in, in honestly Psych 1010 that I learned later in my cognition class a lot more. But most of the memories that we have in our head, those stories that we tell people, you know, like the really fermented ideas and the uh, the things that we know happen to us, actually uh, episodic memory, episodic memory. Exactly. Uh, yeah. th those are the memories that tend to be the least accurate, especially the more you right. re recall them. So if you have a specific story right. from you, when you were nine years old, right. And you tell that story all the time over a process of years, the story is actually going to become less and less accurate from its right. original point. There's, there's multiple reasons for that. The first thing, which I like to tell people is obviously it's going to be inaccurate because when you tell a story, you tell it in third person. You don't tell it in right. the first person. You, t you you see yourself in a situation and how it was happening, right? Right. But we don't see in third person. We see in first person. So that already slants the metric to a different sort of realm. Um, right. But I, I don't know. Uh, maybe you could talk a little more about episodic memory. Yeah. I mean, wow. That's a great, great introduction there for cognitive about memory. That's like yeah. a perfect, Thank perfect you. introduction about memory. Um, <clears throat> so I think that it's like important to distinguish between a few different types of memory. So mm -hmm. there's recall which is what you were just talking about that's what most people think of like oh do you have a good memory it's like how well can you recall things how well can you quote a movie that you've seen you know right. like how how well can you bring up a memory to the surface and then repeat it over or or just think about it that's recall but there's also recognition which is like if you see and, and that's something that i can tell you personally my recall is mediocre my recognition is way better that's way association better. Like on of something that you see right 
Exactly. Yeah. It's like a multiple choice exam. Like you see the question, you see four answers and you remember when you see it that, oh yeah, that's the one. Like, you know, I'll remember when I see it, that's recognition. Um, And then there's another divide to make between um, implicit and explicit memory, right? So implicit memory is memory that goes on without you cognitive um, consciously attempting to recall the, to recall the thing, right? So recall is, is not implicit. Recall is you're consciously recalling the memory. You have to say, okay, what did I, what did I do yesterday? And you have to think, okay, so I did this and then that you have to consciously bring to the service. Whereas a recognition task or what, like there's also implicit recall, but implicit memory that's under the service. That's just your, when you recognize something, you see it and your mind does it. You're not thinking, have I seen this before? You just all of a sudden know that you've seen it. It's like breathing. You're not, you're not putting any effort into breathing until I mention it. Obviously then you're going to think about your breathing, but yeah, it's automatic. So, yeah, exactly. So I think that the, I think that the important thing to notice in that, in that difference between implicit and I think it's called explicit, but I'm not sure. Just explicit, explicit memory. The difference, an important difference between those two things is that, and the fact that you can have an implicit memory shows, I think that you do have things stored in your brain, right? Meaning from what you were saying, it's very possible just from hearing your, from hearing your, your description of how a person can create a memory, basically you might say that it's it's largely created and that you're just creating this scenario that you have a few details that you might have remembered somehow, whatever, but you're largely just creating it over again and then giving it over. But yeah, the fact generating that have, it and regenerating it over and over. Exactly, exactly. But the recognition test, the fact that you can look at something and immediately know that you've seen it before and, and, and know what it is, and the fact that right now we're talking and we're, we're describing these concepts without necessarily trying, well, I guess we are recalling them. But there is like you like you said you can breathe without thinking about yep. it right you yep. just do it there is like a, there is memory can be stored clearly in a in a in a, in a more concrete way yeah i think that's clear and i think the problem is that people ignore their actual memories not even not even con- not even consciously like 100 percent subconsciously when they recall something they're doing a lot more generation and a lot less pulling in going in and pulling out their, right. their imprinted memory right because and and for example, people people can. This is crazy. There's some of the tests in psychology are insane. They did this test. <laughs> I forgot who the researcher was, but um, people with an impaired, people with an impaired, um, the part of they're they're blind basically. Yeah. But they're they're blind because they're the the part of their brain which processes the information was was damaged in like an in an accident or something. But the occipital lobe, the part or occipital. I'm not Oxi- sure occipital. Pronounce it. I don't ever read it. Occipital, because I've, I've only ever read it because of distance no, learning. Right. Um, so the occipital lobe, that part of the brain, the part of the brain that, um, and I'm sorry, this is like super long-winded, but no, I'll so fin- finish my point in a second. Yeah. Okay, so that the part of the brain that um, that recorded the information was actually fine. It had a, it was a, it was a physical damage that that just touched the wrong part of the brain, but it was able. The person was able to see things, but they didn't actually. They, they weren't consciously aware of seeing them. Right, and this is this is how they prove that the, the way they prove that you can see something and not be aware that you've seen it is with these with this person with these types of people that have this damage in their brain. Um, so the way they proved it is they they would show them an image which they couldn't see, right? You know, they they, they weren't able to see it, or at least they, that's what they said, I guess. But they weren't able to see it, and then they would give them recall tests. For example, they would say like they would give them like a a, a chart of like ten different things and tell them to circle one of them. And the, however they statistically figure it out, the, the proportions, the proportion of, of things that were circled that were the things that were shown to them, right? So if they show them a boat and then they show them a chart of like a boat, a duck, a dog, and like 15 other things, the proportion of people and times that the right thing were, was circled was such that there's heavy reason to suspect that you can see something and not be aware of the fact that you've seen it and have a memory that is right. then effective in your actions later on. So you, we have the ability to to use the actual imprinted memory in our brains. We just mess it over by going in there and trying to generate this story. Right. And and doing that too much, you end up diluting the actual memory. Yep. Uh, and uh, thank you. Very very thorough explanation on those forms of memory. Um, <laughs> very long winded. Sorry. Uh, I've done longer. Don't worry. Uh, but. Okay. Uh, okay. And also, a lot of this comes into uh, the concept of schemas, which I actually really like schemas, talking right. about. 
and we will discuss in just one minute after talking about our mid-break sponsor. So, in addition to EV Direct, this week's episode of the Communal Conversation is sponsored by our good friends over at Custom by Shara. Looking for a gift to give your friend, family, or significant other? Want something unique and personalized for any occasion? Custom by Shara delivers custom, complex, hand-drawn portraits of anyone and everyone at affordable costs. Check out at Custom by Shara on Instagram to place your order and tell them we sent you. Once again, check out at Custom by Shara on Instagram and place your order today. Okay, so. Custom by Shara. Custom by Shara, yep. The OG sponsors of the communal conversation. Been, been around since the dawn of the show. Um, <laughs> not going anywhere, I don't think, I hope. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, so. Uh, oh, you know, you know the conversation series if the glasses are coming off. Oh, for, for those listening, well, I mean, I, I was just seeing how sunny it is, but it's a little too sunny. <laughs> yep, uh, actually, my left eye. For those for there. those who who are listening uh, just auditorily, I, uh, I I'm sorry that you're missing out on this this beautiful sight here because yeah, I'm I'm nice indoors sunny. and he is outdoors. It's a very nice dichotomy here, um, yeah. uh, which probably yeah. Um, and I, there was actually something I briefly wanted to mention before we get into the other topic. Um, last week's episode. Uh, because we're just talking about auditory listening for some reason didn't get uploaded to apple podcasts um i don't know what happened uh apple seemed to block it maybe because i talked about star wars or justin trudeau or something with uh. copyright oh and great i said the buzzwords again so maybe this one will get blocked uh, blocked too but um, That'd be crazy. for some reason yeah this one did not upload to apple podcast i apologize i, I was looking at my my analytics uh, on who listens episode to episode and i saw there was a huge drop on on this on last week's episode the 10th episode which i did solo right I was like, what, what is going on there? And half my audience listens on Apple Podcasts, and it wasn't on Apple Podcasts. Um, so for those who would like to check out the 10th episode, which I did alone, um, feel free to do it on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts. I, I'll try to re-upload it to Apple Podcasts, but I can't really guarantee anything. I just I just wanted to briefly mention that. I don't really know what happened there. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all slaves to the algorithms, right? Uh, yes, we are. Anyway, okay, so schemas. <laughs> uh, schemas yeah. are, are defined as these, uh, I guess preconceived notions probably the best way to, de- to define them these these predefined ways of perceiving th- i i feel like i'm saying a lot of big words that uh i don't know i am not sure if i would use it that way oh really describe it that way okay i think that's i think that's i think that's a result of what a schema is that you end up having preconceived notions i think a schema ah. is just your it's a it's a perception it's a an organization that you do on a perceptional level Okay. So that when you think about something, you think about that and so many other associated right. emotions and things and other facts and whatever. And then because of that, when you think of like um, Justin Trudeau, it's like you have this whole image of just of what Justin Trudeau is. Yeah. Right. Because you have this grouping, this organization that's going on in your in your mind, and it happens. You're right. That, like, yeah. Yeah. That's why the reason I object is because it happens on a perceptional level. It's right. not like just a preconceived notion. It's literally the way that two people can look at the same event and have a completely different takeaway. So that's actually that's actually what I want to what I want to get to. You're right. The, okay. the actual definition of schema is, is more the grouping and association. Sorry for nerding out on you. No, there. no. Hey, it's good to have accurate <laughs> terms on here. Um, so uh, um, yeah, uh, but a, a result of this sort of grouping is, like you said, two people can look at the exact same thing and perceive it completely differently, which is kind of weird, right? right? Like crazy. Um, I don't know. Let's let's make an example right here. Okay, so I'm gonna pull this. Oh, my headphone wire is really short. Hold on. Ooh no! Everyone else is all just gone. He'll be back in a moment. He's back now. <laughs> um, this Batman action figure. Okay, this is an right. action figure that I purchased from Amazon in June of 2019. Um, and yeah, okay. I like it a lot, and I think it's really cool. However, maybe Can you put it a little closer? Oh yeah, yeah. All right, just just for yeah. show and tell the audience here. Here's my Batman action figure, classic from the. Uh, I, th- I believe the the 70s Neil Adams run, um, but uh, wow. yeah, guys totally jacked. So 100. So I like this action figure quite a bit, but someone yeah. could look at this action figure and maybe as a child, they were hit in the head with a blood Batman figure and had brain damage, and because of so. that predefined schema, all Batman figures are automatically bad and associate with bad memories. Yeah. Now yeah. that was a very weird example because I'm I'm being a little <laughs> improv, but in general, it's this idea that because you've experienced a certain thing, you group it with other experiences. And then the way you look at the world is entirely defined through that schema. And I honestly think that gets us into trouble quite a bit because what happens is we look at things and we refuse to see them on a new level. We only associate them with our prior experiences. Um, Something I like to give as an example, this is pretty dark, so forgive me. Um, But my, my dad passed when I was 10. 
uh, from a, from, oh, from a, that's okay from that's that's life from a drug overdose and um, uh, from from suicide and I I've experienced that and I went through that right um, but for me to say afterwards that oh because my father committed suicide and it was drug related every single suicide must be drug related right mm-hmm. that is not an argument I would like to make ever right but there are many people who would make those sort of arguments that they think because they've experienced one thing that is the only way to experience that thing and everyone else's experience of that sort of thing is invalidated right and right i don't know i, I you pro- you probably see this around you right i mean yeah it, it's it's just uh, their perception of the thing is just like seriously honestly understanding the cognitive psychological explanation of it yeah it's very helpful it's just when they look at it like that's what that means to them, you know. Like, like, like you said with the Batman figure, that's what a Batman figure is. It's a dangerous thing, and like with COVID, I've seen him. You can see it like very clearly with COVID, because mm-hmm. people, some people look at it and they're terrified of it, and some people look at it and they're not scared of it. And it's the same thing, and you have people in the same risk categories. Yeah, and it's just how they look. It's and, and they're not necessarily getting different facts. Even you know, a lot of people maybe they watch Fox or CNN, but. I know people that like in just in my shul, there's such a divide between how people think about it. Like yeah. there is everywhere, you know, there's different people that think about it differently. And it's I don't think it's so easy to say, like, oh yeah, it's because he listens to Fox, he listens to CNN. Like I think people just approach and you know, um, do you have any Russian listeners, by the way? Uh maybe one or two. Okay. So this is not like a controversial thing, but yeah. I think a lot of people that um that who experienced communist Russia are probably their perception of what a government is is probably we. Ca- I, I probably don't understand it. I'm probably not able to relate to that at all of how that of what their schema is of a government. Right. Right. So when the government says stay at home and you know check your phone to find out if you can go to the gym or not, like one person who grew up in Canada can see that as like okay the government's taking care of me right. But a person who grew up in in communist Russia they're just it, they're not seeing a different government. It's just that their schema of what a government is is terrifying. Yeah. And rightfully so. So. Yeah, schemas are huge, man. They're the most. Yeah, they change people's lives. And, they and, are people's lives. Yeah, and and I I find it a lot with advice that that even sometimes I give to people or but but people give to me where you know um if uh, I don't know let's say let's say I was talking about uh, let's say I I was talking to my friend uh, Ben um who uh, uh and and I said Ben uh, I would like to go to Tim Hortons today and get uh. <laughs> What do I like from there? A mixed berry smoothie. Those are very good. Um, mm. And uh, Ben said to me, uh, no, you shouldn't do that because this one time I had a mixed berry smoothie and it was the worst thing I've ever tasted. So you should definitely not go and have that. People do right. this all the time. Like if I talk to yeah. someone about, I, I want to go into psychology. Oh, well, I had a terrible experience with psychology. So I know how all of psychology works and you shouldn't do it. Oh my God, that's a very, you're bringing up a very good point. Yeah, wow. it's such a closed-minded way of thinking that honestly, a lot of us default to. Like sometimes I even do that. I'm not telling you I'm perfect. But, yeah, 100%. But yeah. people think that because they have experienced something in a certain way, everyone else mm-hmm. will automatically experience that same thing in that same way, which is just right. completely untrue. Preposterous. Yeah, prepo- Ooh, that's a good word, preposterous. Preposterous. Um, actually, something really funny about long words. Um, I, I like to use big words in things, especially in essays for, yeah, I hope York isn't listening, but for the philosophy and history essays, you got to fluff it up. Um, right. So my friends who are probably listening, my friends, Nathaniel and Aaron and I, uh, at the beginning of the year, <laughs> we, uh, we put together a Google Doc. Uh, it's a long Google Doc of a bunch of different long words. It's called a plethora of pretentious pretenses. <laughs> That's good. I like that. It's a good name. There's a lot of stuff on there. Like, uh, I actually used hitherto unironically in an essay, which I, defi- I, def- I definitely regret that one. Um, hitherto, I, I, I use hence a lot in my essays. Hence, hence, hence or way. henceforth, yeah, that's henceforth. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever use henceforth. Ah, yeah, but I do. I do use um, like uh, some interesting their kind of their kind of confabulations. I can't. I can't think of it. like their um, like therefore similar to that. Like, what's yeah. an example? Like. Uh, uh, I don't know. Can't they, think of any. Cut they, this part out of the episode. Therefore, <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> therefore is, is like a cause and effect sort of thing. Like because this happened, therefore this. And there, uh, uh, henceforth uh, is that the one you just said. Henceforth. Yeah. All this to say that I like big words. Uh, so big word of the day uh, for everyone listening: uh, sesquipedalian. S e s q u i p e d i l a n. I think um, that <laughs> that word, which you will never use in your entire life, actually describes the use of long words. 
sesquipedalian means to be long worded or using long words which is hilarious because it's a long ass word but um i'm i'm getting a little off topic here <laughs> but my, my i remembered the word by the way oh yeah what you got yes the word is uh is oh are you kidding me <laughs> i said my mind again it's so hard to remember it's uh they're from they're from they're from they're like uh anything from the like uh, of a certain thing oh anything from, from that oh interesting i've never heard that or they're from hmm. i'm pretty sure that's the word but i i honestly could have been a different word it just keeps on slipping in and out of my mind no worries that's <laughs> that's the tip of the tongue phenomena another cognition exactly uh, another yes. cognitive like, phenomena. i was so surprised like everyone's experienced that it's like a huge area of research yep. in psychology yeah you think <laughs> it's tip... just called the tip of the tongue phenomena. exactly i was gonna say you think tip of the tongue is just like some sort of phrase people throw around but it's actually right. a phenomenon in psychology where people yeah. have these titp like, yeah Right. That's, uh, I, or remember, or something. I remember reading that in my cognition textbook, like, oh, that's a that's actually a thing. Um, right. Anyway. Yeah. No. So the, yeah. Over, <laughs> the overall point I was trying to make was that when people make generalizations uh, because of their own personal experience, it, it often can it, it, it doesn't it doesn't result in good things usually, because first of all, it, it ends up with you being a lot more close minded to things in, in, right. in the world, because since only you've experienced them. In that, and by the way, for the record. That's true of things that people have only experienced once and then not again, right? right. Like like people who do do I don't know one roller coaster and they hate it, um, will never try a single other form of roller coaster ever again. Even though your experience with one roller coaster and a different roller coaster could be completely different, but you right. ma you make a generalization based off that one experience, right? Right. Uh, right. Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and it's like the it's kind of. In a way, it's kind of similar to like the Jewish concepts of gaiva and and anavos, like being humble or being uh, what's the translation of ha gaiva? Humble. Haughty, I guess. Haughty, yeah, yeah, haughty. I don't that is, I don't like that word. I don't like haughty. that word either. Uh, boast, yeah. Boastful or boastful, or, maybe. Yeah. But it's like a dispositionary. I think it's very dispositional. Yeah. Like, how do you approach things? You know, do you approach your view of the world as being like we we kind of touched on this at the beginning of the podcast, like D dominant um, or superior, right? Yeah. yeah. And like, this is just, but it's like on every, it, it, it transcends everything. It, it just permeates through every single conversation and every single thought process. It's just who people are. Some, it's just who it's a, it's a tendency that we all have, as I should say in every area that we just like, people are just, their perceptions are the truth. That's reality, right? What they see is the way that it is, but it's like, it's really not, like I, I, you know, I told my friend like a few days ago, like, you know what I was doing, my, or a few weeks ago, what I was doing, what plans were. And, you know, his reaction is just like, oh, you know, a lot of people take psychology. I was like, okay, thanks, man. Like, I, I know a lot of people take psychology and that's, yeah. But like, that's how he sees, you know, some people just see, that's how they see things. Right. Like, oh, he's a psych like, oh, major as in he's not going to yeah. do anything with his life. Trust me, I've heard it too. Yeah. And and honestly, to, to some degree, people that, that talk like that are just not willing to do some perspective taking yeah. probably, yeah. which is not, it's like a whole other issue other besides for the schema thing, but like for sure the schema thing, it just, and you know, there, I was just talking to my to rabbi in, in Edmonton about this yesterday about humility and how humility is like the key to the only way to, to gain knowledge is to be humble of enough to like, because yeah. then, like, when, you, then I, when you're humble, you accept that you're wrong. And when you're wrong on things, that's how you learn the most. Right, exactly. Like to be curious, you need to be humble. Yeah, right, right. Um, so I, I was like, "What's up? What's a good like Torah Torah source for that?" So he sent me from Tinus um, Tinus Daf Sheva Daf Zion, so the seventh page of of Masechus Tinus. Um, and it's like it's a, I think it's a pretty famous one, but it's like that the that the Torah is like water because in order to to gain from the Torah, you need to be in a low place and it needs to flow like down to you. You have to be humble in order to receive knowledge and, and wisdom and to be curious, you need to be humble. Yeah, of uh, it, it makes complete sense. I mean, not just on a biblical level, but on a psychological right. level that you have to be humble to accept that things aren't always what you think them to be. And I think right. if, if I could give like anyone general advice, um, it's it's that it's 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 when you when you're experiencing something. Don't necessarily paint that specific thing with your experience uh and and you know generalize it to all of humanity or even your re-experience of that sort of thing I, th I think we tend to do this a lot where because you've experienced something you know something you've met someone so on and so forth and you've had an experience that that we defaulted to thinking this is the only way to look at it i think through humility for the record and through humbleness and taking a step back and saying well maybe this is not the entire way to experience that i think that's how right. a, a lot of us actually gain perspective like that that 
I don't think that's that's how a lot of us gain perspective is by taking a few steps back and recognizing that our image or view of things is not always right. dominant, right? Uh, yeah, and I think it's just objectivity, being able to look at things objectively to detach yourself from the the thing that you're looking at. Objectivity is a tough one because I actually I I think I've talked about this on the sh- on the show before, and okay. I, I've definitely gotten responses uh, to it. And feel free to disagree with me. I actually don't think humans have the ability to think objectively. I think I think we can always strive towards it. We should always strive to be objective. But actually being someone who is completely disconnected from bias or other thoughts or or like schemas, whatever it might be, I don't think that's possible on a human level. Even the top, top intellectual thinkers have some level of bias and they will admit it to you. There is no one in their right mind who will tell you that they are unbiased unless they're frankly ignorant. Like someone who tells you that they're 100% on bias is ignorant to their actual human nature, I think. Anyway, right. Maybe because the world's too complicated yep. to, uh, yeah, and, and to we, formulate an actual opinion out of it. Right. And we always we always need to have like our own. How do I say this? I, I was going to bring this up earlier, but uh, the fact that we need we need our own way of explaining the world has been true this is, since the dawn of man, where in the hunter gatherer days where. Let me just say, there was not a lot of doubt and anxiety in the hunter-gatherer days. Right. You just went and you did things and you for your family and you survived and you scavenged. And those bits of human history are still left in us to some extent. Um, right. Like existential panic of being murdered while you're hunting. Yeah. Right. That's transferred now into into the uh, the, the parasymp- uh, parasympathetic nerve system, which... Uh, well, that's like an evolutionary view of things. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um uh, which, which, <laughs> that, <laughs> the, the the discussion of uh, evolution and 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 well, that I think that element of evolution is just probably true. Yeah, you know, it's not against the Torah at all. No, no, that's that's actually something. Right. That's something that I really don't like is that people always put. Um, it doesn't matter what religion you're from, like Bible right. and science in completely different categories. There, it's it's so untrue. There's so many. First of all, there's, yeah, well, because, there's so yeah. many biblical proofs for science, and there's so many scientific proofs for biblical uh, for, for biblical yeah. notations. We're gonna have a whole podcast about that. Yeah, then. right. All right. Well, maybe next time. Um, but uh, yeah. but that's just something I, I I just wanted to briefly say because I think people put those two into dichotomous way too often. Well, I think it's because they they view the they view the Torah and the religious um, standpoint as the way they heard it when they were in kindergarten and right. first grade. Right. So it's like, what do you mean, Adam and Chava were like? You know, it can't be true that they were hunter-gatherers because they were in the Garden of Eden. Right. Like, obviously, like the first couple of even if you believe in a very literal interpretation of the Bible, it's not, it's just ridiculous to think that the first couple generation of mankind, maybe you could say after they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, but to say that they were like, that they weren't like hunter-gatherers or like cavemen kind of people. Yeah. Like, they, who else? Like who else would have been the cavemen? Like we right. know that there were cavemen, so right. Um, yeah. And and so those it's, yeah. so those remnants of evolutionary biology, which I believe you 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 briefly alluded to, is something that you actually you actually uh, like to study, right? The biological basis for things. Well, I'm very interested in it. I yeah. haven't really studied it that much. Though. Ah, okay, yeah. that's that's fine. Uh, it's I, a whole other spectrum of study. Yeah, yeah. My uh, I, field, I, yeah. I, I have friends that took a biological basis in behavior um, course this year, and, and apparently it was. Oh yeah, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do some of those courses, but like I yeah. want to. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not in that actual uh, in that actual course, but in, in that actual program. And f- we talked about tribalism earlier, and obviously that's a All huge right. element of, of hunter gathering and what humans sort of used right. to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's always interesting looking at where these sort of stuff comes from. So. Uh, right. Yeah, well, that's that's a lot of psychology topics in one episode, don't you think? Um, yeah, well, we can talk about it's all of life. So. Yeah, right. Uh, th- that's that's actually <laughs> something I'm hoping uh, for this episode is that it's not it's not too boring because everyone can relate to anything we're talking about because right. it's innate in human nature. And uh, man, y- y- you know, with, with some films, there's like a swear counter. I-, I wish there was a human nature counter for this for this episode because oh, we've said it like. 50 gazillion times which is totally I know, fine. right it just happened to be yep. wonder why yep uh there are a bunch of words we probably said a bunch of times um but before before we round up the episode uh which yeah. i won't do immediately i do actually want to talk about ncsy a little uh this organization right. we both work for and how you and i uh came to came to be a part of it so why don't you tell your story first and then i'll go with mine um well how i came to be a part of it honestly I never really had anything to do with it. I, like through high school, nothing to do with it. Oh, I went to Israel. Actually, we should. Do... I'm sorry. We should probably establish a little what NCSY is. All oh, right. Uh, yeah, for, 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 for those who don't know, um, uh, and NCSY is a big organization dedicated to bringing Jews closer to Judaism. And what I mean by that is bring uh, 
kids who are maybe less uh, less religious. Because for those who don't know, there's a there's a difference between cultural Judaism and religious Judaism. I mean, they are, they go hand in hand, but you have some people that are completely culturally Jewish and not religiously Jewish, as in um, they have a Jewish identity, Jewish parents, but. Judaism is a lot of laws, 613 of them, um, and uh, there are kids or, or families who don't necessarily keep all those laws, which is totally fine. That's what NCSY is for. It's to bring the people who aren't as religious closer to religion, right? And it's usually, uh, it's it's uh, te- teenagers, youths in the program, sometimes, sometimes way younger, middle school, elementary school, um, and it's usually with parents wanting their kids to be in, uh, fostered in a more religious environment, right? And so that's, uh, that, that's what NCSY, I, I think, is foundationally, unless... Am I misdefining that or? Oh, no. Okay. That's great. So, so then, so, yeah. yeah. Um, so I just, I didn't have anything to do with it in high school. And then I went to Israel and I to do with it. And then I came back and then, um, sure, you know, Shoshi Bernstein from Hamilton? Uh, no, but. Or from Edmonton, but she's like NCSY Hamilton. Okay. Well, yeah. Sure. So you're from, you're in Toronto, right? I am in Vaughn. Oh, okay. Yeah. So she runs NCSY Hamilton, I think, or some, in some capacity. And she needed like an advisor to teach learn and learn. Do you guys do learn and learn? Yep. So it's like a, a once a week the kids come and they have a Torah class and they get like a stipend for doing it. Yeah. So yeah, they needed like an extra person to teach. So I got involved like that. And then NCSY is like super, like the second that you agree to teach is like sending you, like you're in these group chats and there's like all these <laughs> events that are happening and whatever. And like you can come on and ask questions. So yeah, that's basically how I got involved. But I mean, thank God it's been a very good experience. Like I, I just recently, I was putting on Tefillin with these, with my kids. Like my, this is my Chabad influence. We were putting on Tefillin. Right um with these uh me and me and the kids that i learn with once a week so like that we would learn on thursday night and then on friday morning we would put on film together and then i challenged them to uh to put on every day for a month like for uh, a gift whatever you know for a prize and one of them decided at the end of it that they were going to buy their own pair and start wearing every day wow i was like oh dang like that was super successful that's the impact cool. right there for those who don't know, know. Uh, to fill in are the leather boxes and straps that jews tie around their heads once a day yeah and arms i think honestly like i was thinking about this before the show that i hope we get to talk about this because like the fact that the rebbe the lubavitch rebbe the leader of the wanna, chabad like, movement yeah. yeah. So he like that was like his that was his not like one of his number one things was that every Jew every Jewish male needs to wear tefillin. Yep. And it's like if he I, have you read the book Rebbe by Joseph Tleshkin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I read that book and I was like wow like it, it made me much more appreciative of the of the Rebbe of his like who he was and just the brilliance and like just incredible character that he was. Yeah. So like the fact that he was like that was one, a number one thing for him is that every Jewish male should wear tefillin. Like I'm, I'm so happy that this kid is is going to start doing it. That's uh, honestly that's that's really great work. I'm 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 very happy that you were able to accomplish that. Uh, yeah, the well, it was this kid. It wasn't me. It was right, 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 right. And actually, the fact you say that is very, very good. I always I always do that whenever I I give advice to people and then they accomplish something. I never I never say like that's my credit. That's you. You had the power to do that yeah. all along. You just needed the right push. It's you who accomplished that, not my advice, yeah. right? And that's how how we yeah. should all all look at things. So I think that's great. Um. Yeah, you open the gate for them. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, um, uh, for those who don't know, is the leader of the Chabad movement, which is a sect of Orthodox Judaism. Um, and unlike other sects, and once again, this is not to bash anyone of any sect of Judaism. I have friends all over the spectrum, so it's no right. problem. But um, Chabad was a very based on outreach. Uh, still is very based on outreach. Um, and their goal was to bring Judaism to as many Jews as possible in even the smallest capacity as possible. Um, and you know, uh, cause, uh, under Chabad belief and under general Jewish belief also, they're, they're not in contrast, uh, or, or, um, or, uh, dichotomous, I should say. Um, nice word. uh, <laughs> uh, but they're from, uh, they're from, uh, they're, they're, they're not uh, up against each other, but the, the goal of Chabad overall is to bring, uh, Jews closer to Judaism in even the smallest ways, like someone who doesn't keep kosher, which is the, the food laws of, of Judaism, right? Let's say someone eats a bacon cheese sandwich. Uh, but that morning they also put on tefillin. That and putting on tefillin, that's a good deed. That's a mitzvah is the Hebrew word for good deed uh, or, or good action. Um, and no matter what that person does later, that good deed never goes away. It never, ever goes away. Sins can always be erased. Good deeds are never erased. Right. And so that's the I, that's this entire idea of Chabad and getting more people to ascribe, right. subscribe to ideology. And Lobachev was a big part of that. Um so I think that's awesome. I I, I want to uh, definitely talk about my story in in terms of uh oh yeah yeah coming into NCSY. Um, so I was at a 
and and for the record you talking about once you're in you're in yeah we both get the same texts on it's the same so groups <laughs> all of a sudden it's like summer camp and what are you doing next year yeah and... yeah okay yeah. um yeah. oh you have you have you have five minutes now great do this and that and also exactly. that. um it's it's fun. no complaints i love it um yeah. but uh and for the record we both do it on a volunteer basis neither of us are are, are paid to do this as far as i know right. um no. so uh yeah, uh, my my story with NCSY is kind of funny. I, I I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this on the podcast, but uh, uh, which is some of my NCSY kids might actually be listening, which is funny because I know some of the kids listen to the podcast. Um, um, uh, but uh, I was at so there's this organization in Toronto called JLIC. JLIC is the um, orthodox student union something like that okay. basically it's it's uh it's a way for orthodox university students to meet up and do events and sort of stuff and so in september of 2020 they had a barbecue a welcome back to school barbecue right um and so i went with a bunch of friends um and it was great it was really fun good times i mean covid definitely made it really weird but whatever i, I got to see a lot of people i hadn't seen since high school yeah. anyway, it, it was good for the record i didn't go on gap year I, I i skipped past the gap year and just went straight into school um multiple reasons for that uh the the actually funny enough that was so i went to yeshiva or yeshiva or which is a modern orthodox jewish day school um and uh yeah. gap year is basically like they push that on everyone essentially like that's like making aliyah that's a big part of the school's belief funny enough the rabbis and the teachers unanimously said to me that i don't need it that i already have religious perspective i i it, for, for me i should go straight to university you feel like you'd be wasting time doing a gap year and listen when the rabbis and the principals wow, yeah when the rabbis and the principals tell me that i'm like i'm not gonna question that i'm so <laughs> so i jumped I, I which is it's a product of a few different things but i did go on a bit of a interesting religious journey that i talked about in episode seven of the podcast with uh Chaya right, so if anyone right. anyone wants to check that out but um sorry i'm getting totally sidetracked uh this jlc barbecue I'm hanging out with uh, a couple of my friends, uh, Nathaniel and Aaron, uh, who I, I referenced earlier. Um, and this uh, yeah, recruiter, I don't know if we should say her by name. Uh, I'm just going to, let's call her um, Alice. Okay, let's call her Alice. It's not a real name, but we're going to call her Alice. All right. Um, okay. So Alice approaches me and uh, and and Aaron and, and uh, Nathaniel, and she says, hi, uh, I'm Alice from NCSY, and we're looking for uh, recruits uh, to be advisors and mentors for NCSY, which is, like we said, the peer mentoring sort of program. Um, <laughs> and Aaron and Nathaniel are kind of like, mm, not really interested. You know, it's, it's the people walking around with clipboards and asking you to fill out a survey. Usually people kind of turn away from them. Um, oh, that's that's actually a quote from uh, one of my favorite Broadway plays. Uh, oh, hello on Broadway. It's very very good. Um, uh, it's uh, it's a quote. Uh, one of the characters says, "Sometimes life just passes me by, like I'm holding a clipboard for gay rights." It's a good it's a good line. Anyway, um, so so my friends reject this, and I also reject it. But I obviously reject it in my stupidly humorous way, and I say. I laugh, I, I, I visibly laugh, and I say, trusting me with mentoring children is like trusting a baby with a gun. And they probably didn't take that very well. I know who the person well, is, so. hear me out. This is where the story gets okay. funny. So, uh, and she, and and recruiter, Alice, she was sort of like, what, huh? I, 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 and I said, that's my way of saying, sorry, not really interested. And she's like, oh, okay. She walks away. Later. Oh, it wasn't that, okay. I didn't uh, know who it was. Later, I'm talking with, uh my friends uh chaya and shara and some other people um and custom by shara custom by yes talking with my friends custom by shara and this uh this this lady recruiter calling her alice approaches me again she comes up behind me and she looks at me and she says you know i think you really have it and i and i i i turn to her and i say it what i have it what's it she said yeah you know you know i think I think you'd be really good at, at, at mentoring. I think you have de wow. the, definitely the charisma and the stature for it. I'm like, I look at her, I say, after that joke I just made to you out loud, you think I would be good at mentoring children? She said, yeah, you know, I think you really have the tendencies. You know, I think I think you could totally work this sort of thing out. And so I'm very taken aback. And I turn to my friend, Chaya, and I say, <laughs> look, uh, Chaya, Alice thinks it would be, Alice here thinks it would be a good idea for me to mentor children. And I'm expecting her to laugh it off like a good friend. Of course, she doesn't. And she says, oh, yeah, Yosef, you'd be really, really good at that. And I'm like, no, it's not. I didn't want you to say that. Um, but uh, you got hooked yeah, in. and then I got hooked in at that point. Chaya said, yeah, you, uh, she's she's also a, an NTSY advisor. And she said, that would be a good okay. idea for you. Um, and then I talked. And there's no way out. 
I, yeah, at that point, I got to talking with the re recruiter a little more. I gave her my phone and email, which, once again, once you're in, you're in. Um, I thought about it a little more, did the interview process and such, and I decided that it was a very, very good idea for my life. And seriously, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. It's given me a lot of perspective. Really? Oh, yeah. No no question. Um, cool. It's it's definitely one of the best things I've added to my life. Um, but it's very interesting how I got there. You, you wouldn't think with a joke like that that someone would uh, hear you out, let alone come back to you, insisting that you right. would be good at mentoring children. Children, but I guess my joke. Well, Alice is a very is a very good uh, advisor, director, or yes. recruiter. So absolutely, no question. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, just, I just wanted to talk about the how both of us came to this organization. That's cool. Why I think they might think that I'm a criminal though, because like I was supposed <laughs> to send them like a criminal record when I signed in, when I signed up, because they didn't know who I was or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really know. I, I just didn't do it. I was like, I, I don't. I don't have a criminal Me record. Me like, yeah. do no, no, Don't worry. If, do you exactly... if, you, if you don't have a criminal record, there's nothing to send in. You know. Um, yeah. Like, what do you want me to send? Like a piece of paper that says I don't have a criminal record. Like, yeah. As long as they don't, don't know. know that I. Uh, commit tax fraud on a repeated basis to afford my Lego, then I think we're good. So, um... God forbid, God forbid, don't say such things. He's, he's joking, everyone. <laughs> I say such things because they're funny. Anyway, so, uh, we have reached the end of our episode. Uh, we did, oh, a, we did a nice little over an hour here. Yeah, I know. Don't worry, we can definitely have you back. And if you're ever in Vaughn, which I don't know if that'll ever happen, uh, let me know because I, I, I would love to have you ever. Yeah, Vagon, whatever you want to call it. V-A-U-G-N, right? V-A-U-G-H-A-N. Oh, yeah. what? Yeah, no. there's an H in there. I know. I'm so confident that I have that. <laughs> it's okay. Um, you've changed your scheme on, Vaughn. Uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so, with that being said, uh, where can people find you? Do you want to be found? Is there is there uh, something you'd like to advertise? Um, not particularly, no. Nope. I don't okay. have anything to advertise. No yeah. worries. All right. Well, uh, that's totally fine. Um, but I am going to do the advertising because that's what we do on the show. So, uh, right. if you that's are so not following out. the communal conversation on Instagram, you should definitely do that uh, to get the latest updates and news related to the episode. I recently did a poll on my story asking people if they want the podcast to be released Sunday or Tuesday. Sunday was the old release date. Tuesday is the new release date. People seem to overwhelmingly vote for Sunday. And I'm releasing the episode on Tuesday. But I think in the future, we're probably going to move back to the Sunday date. Uh, and it makes more sense. People have more time to listen during the weekend. So I totally understand that. Um, if you're watching this video on YouTube, don't forget to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Uh, we, we got quite a few subscribers last time because I mentioned that like 45% of the people who listen to the podcast fully aren't subscribed to the channel, which doesn't make any sense at all. So uh, definitely subscribe. Uh, let's me know that you're enjoying the videos. Um, uh, if you have any questions for the next episode you want to address with me and the guests or any topics that are of your interest, feel free to let me know. And thank you to our sponsors, EV Direct and Custom by Shara. Any closing words? Anything you want to leave with us, Dovey? Um, no, it's nice being on here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, very cool. happy to have you on. Okay, that All is right. the uh, 11th episode of the Community Conversation, closing out.